4: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And Caroline, today we're talking about beauty gurus on YouTubes. The YouTubes. (laughs) You beaut. You beaut. (laughs) Hashtag you, beaut. Do we sound hip, listeners? (laughs) That's awkward. We're old. It's fine. Um, Somewhat in honor of this podcast, Caroline, I decided to really immerse myself in YouTube beauty, beauty videos. And there are so many beauty videos out there on contouring, something that I've still not really mastered. It's, it's voodoo magic. I don't understand it. It really is. But I decided to give it a whirl, p- partially because as a YouTube host myself, I, I mean, my makeup game is uh not where it should be on camera. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so I went to a makeup store and bought a contouring stick, had one of the clerks show me how to do it. Again, voodoo magic. Mm-hmm. I walked out she was very confident I would know exactly what to do. I was clueless, but my face looked flawless, huh? thankfully. Um, and I sat down yesterday with my contour stick and YouTube and tried to watch all of these videos and clown painted my face. <laughs> and, um, I don't, I, I think I've gotten a little bit better, but I, I'm still a little intimidated almost seeing how good so many of these Gurus are just transforming their face. I I look in the mirror and I'm like, but mine doesn't look like that. What am I doing wrong?
0: I can't even say that I'm intimidated by them. It's the same kind of thing if I were to say, like, I'm intimidated by Cindy Crawford or Giselle. It's like, well, I'm just never going (laughs) to... It's like, I'm not playing in the same leagues. Uh, So, like, with these beauty vloggers who just in front of your eyes can transform their faces. It's just like I just sit there with my mouth gape watching. I've watched a couple of beauty videos in the past, nothing to like necessarily try to imitate, but just watching the transformational magic as it happens. Uh, I have gone in search of hair how-to's because I have my hair is pretty fine and straight naturally, and so I'm always looking for tips on like How do they just do X, Y, Z style and make it look effortless and easy? Is that what you Google? Yeah. How do they do X, Y, Z stuff? Yeah. How do they do X, Y, Z stuff? You'd be amazed at the results (laughs) that you come up
4: with. And your hair is looking X, Y, Z fabulous now. Uh Oh, Z snap. It's totally working. (laughs) Uh, But we wanted to talk about beauty on YouTube, the whole beauty guru, beauty vlogging phenomenon today because it's huge. (laughs) To to put it in lay terms. (laughs) Huge. It's huge. And it's also redefining the beauty industry. It's Mm -hmm. also given all of these young girls in particular an entrepreneurial platform. And I was really curious from a Stuff Mom Never Told You perspective to look at the space online and see whether and how it is redefining and expanding our concepts of beauty and whether it's democratizing beauty and making it more accessible to people who have all sorts of different faces and And, bodies. And
0: then once it's more acceptable, are we still, though, just putting so much focus on the outside rather
4: than the inside? Oh, yeah. I mean, because for a lot of these beauty bloggers, as we'll talk about in just a second, it's not just about how to put on your concealer, how to buff your zits away.
0: If, <laughs> if only. <laughs> God, what's that tool?
4: <laughs> a buffer. I just picture like a car buffer, <laughs> like that they're actually getting the scratches out. You got the right idea. I Yes. But it's not only that. It's entire lifestyle branding mm-hmm. because, well, now I'm getting ahead of myself. Now I want to talk about all the different kinds of beauty videos. Uh, but first, let's just lay out how much the beauty vlogger space is booming. And that's booming with a capital B, Caroline.
0: Yeah, capital B for Bethany Moda. Apparently, she's the one to beat with about 9.6 million subscribers. And that's coming from a pretty in-depth uh 2015 survey by Pixability that had some really
4: incredible infographics in it, if I do say so myself. You know we love a good infographic here at Stuff Mom Never Told You. <laughs> uh, but Bethany Moda is not only a YouTube star. She's a celebrity at this point in her own right. Because Caroline, she's got her own clothing line. Mm-hmm. I believe she's got perfumes. Oh. She was even on dancing with the stars.
0: How my, that that means my mom knows who she is. That <laughs> means my go. mom is more familiar with Bethany Moda than I was. But I mean, speaking of lifestyle brands and how these beauty bloggers have blown up and gone above and beyond just makeup, like when I searched for Bethany Moda this morning and was looking at some of her videos, I, it was actually easier to find her lifestyle and decor and food stuff than it was even to find her makeup stuff.
4: Yeah. I did watch her fall treats video yeah. a couple days ago <laughs> and learned how to make some where I would notice she substituted a lot of butter for applesauce. And while I realize that makes it lower fat, the texture is just not the same. No. They come out chewy. No. No offense, Bethany Moda. Stuff my mom never told me. <laughs> St- stuff I learned as a child because I cooked all the time. <laughs> um, but she launched her channel in 2009, and she initially focused on what are called haul videos, and haul as in H-A-U-L, like U-Haul. Not, not decking the halls. <laughs> Although I bet she has those videos, too. She probably has decked some hauls yeah. in her videos. But haul videos, for those who haven't seen them, are when you just go out and you buy a bunch of stuff, and then you show all the stuff that you bought. So
0: you mean every time that I spend like three paychecks worth of money at sephora and bring home my stuff in a bag and dump it all out and i get all excited and i seal clap because i'm so excited about all the makeup i just got you mean i could have been filming that you could have been filming it and listeners it is adorable (sighs) because caroline just seal clapped (laughs) to demonstrate in front of me and it's it's, very cute i hope is it it's not distracting is it that i have a ball on my nose that i'm balancing a ball on my nose
4: is that weird no, okay. not at all. I think it adds to it. Yeah. Listeners, I mean, viewers would come back for more. Um, and a shameless self-promotion here. There is a stuff i never told you period haul video yeah. with Akeela Hughes and me over on our YouTube channel. Next step, sminty
0: ASMR videos where we're unwrapping the tampons. <laughs> so much. Oh in gosh. the crinkly, in the crinkly wrapper. <laughs> That's kind of genius. Yeah. No, I
4: know. Because you've seen them? No. Just because I'm a genius. (laughs) But of course, Bethany Moda isn't the only YouTube beauty celeb. She has other YouTube A-listers. That's hilarious. There are A-listers on YouTube. I'm more like a... Q-lister. Oh, Stap. Oh. The people, they love you. It's a little bit more, maybe a G-list. Uh, but there's Michelle Phan, Ingrid Nilsson, Tanya Burr, uh, Yuya, who is a Mexican beauty vlogger who actually has more subscribers than Bethany Moda. But of course, we know more about Bethany because she's in the U.S. and she like looks about American as a slice of apple pie. And then in the U.K., you have Zoella who's one of the most famous, and the Pixie Woo sisters, Sam and Nick Chapman. Oh, yes, and these people are legit celebrities
0: to a bunch of girls out there. When Kristen and I went and spoke at the oldest girls' camp in the country this past summer, we did a little YouTube class, a little YouTube exercise, and all of these young girls were obsessed with Zoella, and I'm such an old. I was just like, yeah, yeah,
4: Zoella, of course.
0: What's going on?
4: Zoella is very charming, I've got to say. Well, good. Good for her. (laughs) Well, the interesting thing, too, about... Not to go off on too much of a tangent, though, but I think that one big reason why she and Bethany Moda and others like that have attracted such a large audience for girls is not only because they're really good at doing their makeup and beauty and all that stuff, but they're also... Really open about things like anxiety and bullying mm-hmm. and issues that they encounter as well. So it's yeah. kind of interesting to see what all is drawing these girls in.
0: Well, they're, they're like, not that they're more popular than say a, an A-list celebrity who's in movies and winning Oscars, but they're almost more, well, they are more accessible to these young girls who are following them in droves and, Describing things in their personal lives and opening up to their viewers is is part of that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that if you asked one of those girls at the summer camp whether they'd rather meet Zoella or Taylor Swift, it would be a tough decision Ooh, at this point. Ooh, that is tough. Yeah, um, but if we get back into pixability and some more. Statistics. We love statistics. We love the statistics. It is mostly girls and women who are watching beauty videos, not surprising. 89% of subscribers to beauty channels are the ladies. But guys, as we'll talk about, are also getting in on the action. And just for an idea of how quickly this space is growing, from 2014 to 2015 alone, it grew on YouTube by 50%. And I also appreciated... That, as Pixability noted, mature beauty in quotes, which I think applies to you and me, Caroline. Oh God! <laughs> the mature beauty segment is also rapidly growing, but it's more focused on things like skincare and aging. No, I'm, I'm in
0: that beautiful, adorable space that you and I are gonna have to do an episode on here soon, Kristen, just for selfish purposes, where I am having to combat signs of aging and also signs of adult hormonal acne. Oh, me too!
4: My dermatologist has dropped the B word in <gasps> the office. No. I'm talking about Botox. <laughs> not that she, she's not calling you yeah. the B word. It's <laughs> not the meanest dermatologist <laughs> in the world. I mean, it, it wasn't a thing of you should get Botox, but it was like, why don't we, you know, we can do these things now. We don't have to do Botox yet. <gasps> dot, dot, dot. What? Yeah.
0: Really, I have. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna. Lie, I'm not gonna get off on a tangent, but I've I've thought about it. But then I wouldn't be able to do my eyebrows
4: well,
0: in it... in my normal eyebrow fashion.
4: Oh, and then what? Then what face would you make? Then who am I? <laughs> just an expressionless ball
0: balancing seal clapper. Well, then I'm just. I would constantly just have the face that I wear during meetings,
4: and nobody wants that. Just your resting bee <laughs> my, face. My resting meeting face. Your resting Botox face. <laughs> Um, but back to YouTube. It's so hard to I not know, just talk so about our own beauty issues. Um, but there are more than 1.7 million beauty videos on YouTube racking up 45 billion views. It's crazy. That's so much. I love
0: it. And and they're even selling now. You can get like a makeup kit or makeup organizer kit that has a slot for you to put your iPad or your iPhone so that you can do your makeup and watch the video and not and have your hands free all at the same time. That's kind of genius. It is kind of genius. But there's a million different types of videos out there. And in this fixability survey from this past year, they include makeup, hair, nail, skincare, and perfume. It's all under that beauty umbrella. And, you know, Kristen, you mentioned that uh, guys are a growing segment of these beauty video viewers. And when you look over at the male specific beauty videos, 92 percent of them are on hair, which I was I was actually I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because it's not like a bunch of guys are seeking out makeup advice. But I, I was still a little surprised, like, oh,
4: guys are looking up hair advice. OK. Oh, yeah. With How are they going to do their man buns, Caroline? Oh, yeah, you're right. And also, I bet beard grooming, mustache Mm -hmm. grooming, there's a lot of hair fellows have to tame. Yeah, well, the top
0: 10 men's grooming channels out there have 5.4 million subscribers,
4: which is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, but it's also just a drop in the bucket compared to ladies' beauty stuff. So it's no surprising, considering how massive this space is and how many people are tuning in and the variety of the kind of videos that are being used and the number of products that are constantly being tested and reviewed and shown on camera, that the beauty industry has taken note Mm -hmm. more than ever before. And in a lot of ways, you could argue that YouTube and young women especially are reshaping how big beauty brands, things like L'Oreal, Pantene, Mac, etc., are reaching their audiences. Well, to use one of
0: those hackneyed like social media marketing terms, um, those big beauty brands just aren't as nimble if you will, as are the younger, hipper, more popular beauty content creators on YouTube. Uh, You know, it's it's these big beauty brands like a L'Oreal or like a Dior who are looking at people like Bethany Moda or Michelle and being like, oh, man, look at them. They're like, they're so successful. They have so many viewers. They're able to make so much money. And people will flock in droves to buy whatever it is they recommend because these big beauty brands are able to look at these girls and be like, Look at this connection they're forming with their audience. How can we form that connection? Because obviously a 14-year-old girl who's connecting with a Bethany Moda, just as an example, is not going to connect with, you know, Dior or L'Oreal in the same way just based on their typical
4: commercials that they run. And those young girls, though, are also paying attention to the celebrity factor that is now um, a part of this whole beauty guru game and the kind of money that brands are shelling out to them. And so one of the reasons why this space is growing so much is that more and more younger and also older women as well are getting started beauty vlogging. And some of the motivations, the primary motivations for them doing this is... Sort of that YouTube promise that hey you could be the next Bethany Moda. Yeah. All you need are some twinkle lights and a camera and just go. Yeah. Just be yourself. Put on makeup, be yourself. And the rest will follow. Bump bum bump. Bum. And to some degree that is is true a little bit, but there's also that entrepreneurialism that's extremely appealing to millennials to sound like a total marketing manager.
0: Well, it's true. I mean, we, you and I were legitimately having a conversation about this the other day, uh, outside of the realm of talking about beauty vloggers and stuff, that it does seem like our generation is so driven by that refrain of, you can do anything and you can be anyone and be anything and do whatever you want and make a lot of money doing it. And it's like, well... We also have to keep in mind the hard work that goes into it, and not everybody will be an A-list YouTube beauty vlogger celebrity. That's true. And the thing is, too, according to this University of Texas study that was referenced in a Racked article we read about this whole delicious topic, they were saying that we, millennials, only trust ourselves and our peers as salespeople and bosses, that we're so familiar with the big advertising and marketing and PR machine, we're so... Aware of the fact that we're being sold to, we're being force fed, photoshopped images, things like that. Uh, So when we see a girl who's in her, you know, early 20s or whatever, putting on makeup and saying, here's why this works for me or here's why it doesn't. And here's how you can use it. It's like, oh, honesty. How refreshing.
4: Yeah. I mean, and I think that authenticity and relatability is part of a selling factor for people getting into beauty vlogging and because you don't have to look like Cindy Crawford to get into this and be really good at this. Um, As Karen Rabinowitz, who's chief creative officer of Digital Brand Architects, said to Women's Wear Daily, she said this whole business right now is just about, quote, galvanizing an audience and connecting with them in a very authentic and truthful way. Just literally just being yourself. You can be really successful by just being who you are. And this was also something echoed in a piece in Racked Magazine by Patricia Tortolani, who I want to call Tortolini. But so do I! <laughs> that's not her last name. It's Tortolani. Um, she's Allure Magazine's beauty director. And she said, quote, There's a relatable quality to beauty vloggers that's incredibly appealing, especially to younger girls. Because she distinguishes this from the aspirational beauty that you would see mm-hmm. in... Traditional magazine spreads and commercials sure. and runways, but this is in their bedroom.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's not too different from what we talked about way back when in our Pinterest episode that, you know, Pinterest exists with all of this aspirational content and like, oh, here's my like 3,000 square foot New York penthouse loft. Oh, it's so airy and breezy and bright. And it's like, or i'm also going to gravitate towards the pins that like show me how to live in like a tiny apartment <laughs> and what to do with all my kitchen stuff when i have like a single cabinet it's it's the same kind of concept of like of course you're still going to to gravitate towards those beautiful magazine spreads that are in fashion mags but there is something so attractive and so wonderfully comfortably authentic about watching a girl who looks like you, or is at least
4: close to your own age, telling you what's what about makeup. Yeah, because at some point, you're going to see all of those people without any makeup Mm -hmm. and their hair undone, because they're showing you from start to finish how to cover up the zits they have, how to get rid of their under eye circles and tame their hair. Yes, I was just watching.
0: So I have patchy eyebrows. Um, which may or may not be related to my thyroid condition. But uh, it could also just be I'm really unlucky and I'm going bald on my eyebrows. But Michelle Fan in one of her videos, had like a little thing of like, now here's how you do eyebrows. Now remember, like, don't pencil them in too thick because then they'll look unnatural. You've got to do a little of this and that and whatever, whatever. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm learning so much in
4: like 10 seconds. Learning so much, Caroline, and also subtly being sold something. Oh, sure. Yeah. Apparently the little brushes
0: are called spoolies that you brush your eyebrows with. And now you know that you need a spoolie.
4: Now I know what, yes, what to look for. Thank you, Michelle Fan. Well, and that whole subtle sales relationship is what is starting to build this like uncomfortable-ish dynamic between these really successful girls and the audience because it's like, wait a minute. Are you doing, are you showing me this branded spoolie because you really, really love it or because spoolie (laughs) ink is giving you a paycheck. And so can I really trust you? Are we losing this authenticity of beauty gurus? And really doesn't matter anyway because is makeup just one big sales pitch to begin with? Yeah. I mean, I've thought about that too, but I've also thought about
0: how, um, I will try anything that seems to work for whatever my issue is, whether it's like oily skin or acne or like covering my under eye circles. And so I do think there's a degree of media literacy and media awareness that this generation has. So even if like, oh, well, this this video was sponsored by Sephora or this was sponsored by Makeup Forever or whatever, Um there's still that degree of awareness of like, okay, I'm being sold to, or at least they're paying for this video, but at least I'm choosing to consume this particular type of information. I don't know. It can be kind of a slippery slope though.
4: Well, and you still get the benefit maybe. I mean, yes, you still have movie magic that can tweak the results a little bit on screen, but you're at least still seeing the products in action. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree that Younger girls today are way more media literate and savvy in those ways than we were simply due to exposure.
0: Yeah. And honestly, like if I'm, I guess it just depends on what you're searching for and why. Like if I'm searching for a cat eye tutorial, I'm not necessarily going to care what eyeliner she's using. Although if she tells me like, oh, well, this one doesn't run or this one doesn't smudge, like that'll be great information. But if I'm literally getting ready to go out for the evening and I have the pencil already in my hand that I use. You know, I'm just going there for the information of how to do it and not stab my eye out. So it's not, I I guess it's just the motivation. How to not stab your eye out is also one of my popular searches. How not to shoot your eye out. It's almost Christmas time, so it's almost
4: time to watch a Christmas story. (laughs) Never mind, tangent. (laughs) But I feel like in some ways this whole money conversation is also a tangent to this bigger issue of, well, what does all of this beauty vlogging mean there's so much emphasis on it because the money stuff is just going to happen at some point like brands are going to want to monetize anything that they can monetize this is digital media i mean we make a podcast for crying out loud so we know this whole monetizing uh initiative very well but what i'm even more interested in and i have a feeling our audiences is too is like what does what does beauty really look like what are we really seeing And we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we come right back from a quick break. Can I rant for
0: a sec? Please.
3: Listen to Technically Speaking an Intel Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Well, I think what's great about YouTube, I mean, there are a lot of terrible things that are on YouTube, including many of the commenters. But I think one thing that's great about YouTube is that, you know, you use the word democratization earlier, that it seems like there's something for everyone on there, especially with the rise of these girls who are basically like the girl next door. Here's how you do your hair. Here's how you put on your makeup. Um, but one thing that's come up is the issue of diversity, because while you might be uh, a black woman or a white woman or an Asian woman or a Native American woman, and you might be able to find a woman who looks like you putting makeup on or doing her hair, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the same access to her because there are issues of YouTube promotion and who gets promoted and who is propped up as, like, the beauty vlogger goddess of the week.
4: Yeah, definitely in terms of the top-tier beauty gurus that YouTube directly promotes that gets the most love from YouTube, if they're going to do some kind of massive ad campaign like they've done in the past, you're going to see Bethany Moda's face out there. You'll also see Michelle Phan, so you're like, oh, well, then that's that's diversity, too. But... Um, There's been criticism of there not being enough women of color who are being promoted as well. And just like creators in general, whether they're like in the beauty space or not, YouTube has been pretty white in the um, the creators, as they call them, and hosts that they've put their corporate backing behind um, because. Yeah, if you go into YouTube, regardless of whatever you're looking for, whether it is a natural hair vlog or uh, hijabi beauty is like a new uh, re- recent vertical that's gotten really big. Um, there's Indian wedding makeup, all sorts of beauty tips, regardless of what you're looking for. It's there. It's just a question of, you know, how, how much everyone else is going to be exposed to it.
0: Right. And then there's the question of, OK, so there is there is a diverse offering of women and beauty on YouTube. Uh, but how much is that diversity adding to redefinitions or expansions of what beauty is and means? And I would argue that yes and no. I think that including those offerings on YouTube is obviously beneficial, especially if you're looking for someone who looks like you and you want to know how to do your hair or your makeup or whatever. Um, and that certainly helps normalize uh, for that audience uh, whatever that type of beauty is or that type of hairstyle. But it doesn't necessarily, I think, cross lines with other viewers. I don't know if it's changing the definition of beauty or expanding the definition of
4: beauty for your average YouTube viewer. I do think that one area where that is an exception, though, where this whole like YouTube space and blogging, too, has grown out into beauty trends that regardless of who you are, you will have noticed is 100% natural hair, because that's something where a lot of it. Um, and I want to say that we've talked about this. We talked about this, obviously, on our um, uh, podcast about black hair and how the whole natural hair movement. Was really started, um, online and like sharing tips and products and a lot of, um, new kinds of hair care products have grown out of this because it's created this whole market and interest. And that's been a really interesting thing to see as well. But in terms of, yeah, whether it's influencing, all of this is influencing beauty at large. I agree that like there's so much segmentation on the internet that we just in general tend to, go toward what we are looking for, our own, quote-unquote, niche. Right, right. And I'm also curious to know how much women of color on YouTube are also benefiting from beauty brands being more and more interested in um, kind of making those relationships, whether they're tapped as often as, quote-unquote, influencers as white women are. And because I have a feeling that as we've seen more makeup companies starting to expand their lines beyond just, you know, beige our our pale skin tones, Caroline, um, that it is probably the case. But um, I don't know. I I mean, I just don't have the, the numbers in front of me.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. But I would I would wager a guess that no matter who you are, if you're the one who's getting the most video views and you're the most popular on YouTube, whoever you are, then you're the one who's most likely to be tapped. And so I'm sure that that draws in issues of YouTube. Who is YouTube promoting? Mm -hmm. And so if you never get the platform and if you are not getting your voice out there, then a L'Oreal is not going to probably notice you or tap you to be their face or their collaborator.
4: Yeah. But of course, YouTube would shirk any responsibility for that by saying anyone can access our platform. Yes. You know, but if we look beyond just skin tone diversity, it is interesting to see how this online beauty culture is intersecting with other things such as sexual orientation. Um, I did think that it was, uh, notable. That seems like not the right word to use. But, um, when Ingrid Nilsson, who has been a long time Huge beauty guru. I keep saying beauty guru. That's such a strange phrase, but um, she's really zen. <laughs> yeah, she recently came out though in this like viral video, um, in, sh- in which she talked about like her whole um process of coming out both to herself and then to her family and then publicly. And she's YouTube's first gay beauty superstar. And she's now dating another gay YouTube superstar named Hannah Hart. And I just thought that that was, I don't know, I'm just curious to know, like, young girls seeing that and being like, Oh, this girl who I've really admired all these years, and is like very conventionally attractive, and like really into like feminine, pretty things. Oh, and she also happens to be a lesbian. Okay, that's challenging, maybe some stereotypes that I might have had about that.
0: Well, I feel like anyone who's a big time consumer of uh, beauty media on YouTube um, is going to come up against a lot of of images and videos that challenge traditional notions of what uh, beauty is according to gendered norms. You've got a lot of men out there doing beauty videos, whether it's to whether it's like a makeup artist showing you how to tap (laughs) This is a personal story. Uh, a male makeup artist showing you had to effectively like tap concealer into your skin rather than wipe it to maybe, I don't know, cover up some of that adu- adult hormonal acne. Um, or whether it's uh, a drag queen showing you tips and tricks for really dramatic makeup. Or whether it is just a guy who enjoys makeup putting makeup on and showing you his tips and tricks. Yeah, we are
4: seeing more... A-list male beauty vloggers. Um, there's one, and I hate that I don't have his name right here. It's slipping my mind, um, who has also launched, I think, a lipstick line with a cosmetics company. So it's interesting to see those kind of relationships being formed as well. Um, and speaking of gender identity, you also have trans beauty gurus, such as Gigi Gorgeous, who not only came out as trans on YouTube and has openly talked about her transition, she has also gone into not only like makeup routines and things like that that she does, but also plastic surgeries that she's had, um, which she has described as necessary to match her body with her gender identity. And I watched her video talking about that. And it was interesting to see how she talked about her plastic surgery compared to some other beauty gurus who've also talked about plastic surgery. Cause talk about getting into a dicey area, especially when you have such a young audience for a lot of these young women. And I'm not talking so much like about Gigi Gorgeous now. I'm talking more about, um, what Akila Hughes over at Fusion highlighted in a piece of like, hey, what, um, what's up with this, this trend here?
0: Yeah, and that's the other side of the coin. When you're talking about having a very relatable, authentic voice and face on YouTube, someone who really connects with his or her audience, someone who is really deeply trusted by young girls and and adult women alike, Akila Hughes was talking about the whole issue of like, okay, well, when you take somebody who's a well-known trustworthy figure on YouTube. And she talks about plastic surgery, not in a way that brings in a lot of what we'd mentioned of media literacy, but in a way that just uh, maybe normalizes it and makes it seem no bigger of a deal than getting a tattoo or getting a piercing uh, do we have something to worry about there? Because one of the great things about a lot of these beauty vloggers is, like you said, Kristen, the fact that so many of them are so open about things in their lives, whether it is anxiety or dating issues or family issues or whatever. I mean, that's part of their appeal and it's part of what makes them so great. Uh, You know, you don't feel as alone. You don't feel like so much of a weirdo. If you know that people on YouTube are going through the same thing that you are and like, oh, look, she can handle it. So can I. And that's great. But the issue that Hughes raises with the plastic surgery stuff is like, okay, well, we're kind of presenting this in a way to a very kind of malleable audience that plastic surgery is the answer to certain problems when maybe the answer is more look within yourself, talk to a therapist, talk to a trusted friend, ask yourself why you want to get plastic surgery.
4: Well, and you can also see all of them anticipating Criticism, And so, you know, one thing Akilah notes is like there's there's this undercurrent of still really needing to be considered likable and, and pretty. And like, don't let the fact that I've had plastic surgery change your opinions of me and what I look like. Um, Nick from Pixie Woo, for instance, uh, made a video talking about getting lip fillers and she had gotten the lip fillers the day before, kind of on a whim or so she said. And she prefaces the whole thing of like, you know how I've always been, you know, so annoyed with how thin my lips are. So I'm just doing this thing. But of course, she's doing it in like a really cute British accent that I'm not going <laughs> to attempt. Um, and at one point she says, quote, unless you try these things, you can't really tell anyone about it. So, you know, I had to go and do it. And I wanted to show you. And it's so uncomfortable to watch because you can see her. On the one hand, acknowledging like, I know I'm doing something that is altering my appearance in a way that I know that some of you are not going to like, but I'm also, you know, I just, but I just did it. Please, please tell me that's still okay that I did it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, speaking of that whole likable thing, that's what Akila Hughes was talking about in her article. She said, what should serve as an opportunity to be real with audiences about insecurity, depression, body dysmorphia, a chance to be really raw and honest, often feels like a cookie-cutter attempt to be likable and pretty. For instance, there was one beauty vlogger, Cutie Pie Marzia, who, in her video where she explains her rhinoplasty for a deviated septum, she goes to great pains explaining that it it was for that. It was to correct a deviated septum. It was not to change the shape of her nose. And she framed it in a way of taking control of her life. Which, yeah, if you have a deviated septum and you snore and, like, your partner never gets any sleep, I wouldn't know anything about a snoring partner. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Fix, fix your deviated septum. But it, it kind of goes along with that whole thing of, like, uh, are you protesting too
4: much? Yeah, I mean, and then there was... Uh a strange one. I mean, it was just kind of strange with Ingrid Nelson uh, that Akilah points out where she talks about her own struggles with um, body insecurity and things like that. And rec- talks about how she went to go see this plastic surgeon who gave her all this advice. And then at the end, she was like, oh, and and he's going to take your questions because he's such a great resource. And he helped me, you know, really come to terms with a lot of things about my body. And um Francesca Ramsey actually commented on the video basically saying, whoa, 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 it's great to talk about body insecurity, but seriously, are we recommending that your 14 year old viewers go ask a plastic surgeon what they should do about their body? Is this really the best way that we can facilitate these kinds of important conversations by steering it to surgically altering your body.
0: Because as we've talked about a million times on Sminty, the more you see something, the more it's normalized,
4: especially if it's someone who is a friend or who in this case feels like a friend. Yeah, I mean, because that's where that authenticity factor comes in. It's like, well, if she did it, then surely it's okay and people still like her and she's still popular and it's totally great. Um, because that raises the question of like, well, do they have this responsibility to be role models, to set an example for their audience? Because... While, yeah, you can argue that, I mean, a lot of what they're showing is just different types of self-expression. These are different ways I can do my hair when I'm feeling certain ways and do my makeup for different looks. And like, this is my morning routine. Here's my iced coffee. (sighs) It's also a lot of artifice involved. So it's like, well, well, of course they'd be talking about plastic surgery. Yeah,
0: I mean, it does make sense in that regard. If you're if what is essentially your job is to show your face on the internet and talk about your appearance day in and day out. Um, maybe they just consider that part and parcel of, of what they do for a living. I don't know. But either way, it does tend to normalize it to an audience of impressionable young girls.
4: And it just, you know, raises the question of the, the meaning of makeup. And that yeah. is one thing that, a lot of vloggers, whether they're beauty gurus or not, even on Stuff Mom Never Told You's channel, um, play around with because I think a lot of people are conflicted about using makeup, especially if they are feminists and they're trying to figure that whole thing out. And like, what does authenticity mean? What does empowerment mean? Can I wear lipstick and still be a strong woman and be taken seriously. And like, I don't know, makeup to me is so fascinating in this way that um, it's, it is such a tool for self-expression, but it also sometimes feels like a trap because it also Mm -hmm. costs so much money and it takes so much time. And I don't know. I mean, I I just, uh, I think it's interesting to think about all of the different ways that we play around with it and how it influences our lives.
0: Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I use makeup. I wear makeup every day. Uh, Kristen and I had the conversation during our makeup, uh, artists episode about how I look, I can, I can look not great and, and feel not great about myself essentially if I'm not wearing a little bit of makeup, uh, so that I don't look 13. Um, but that being said, makeup can be used on either side of the fence in terms of your argument you can say that it's a personal choice which it is and you can say plastic surgery is a personal choice which it is i agree with that it's a very personal choice and it's up to you and you shouldn't listen to anyone else if you want to do something or not do something
1: snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over six million active hourly workers Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all.
3: Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI.
2: There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in, Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
0: That being said, it is interesting to watch, like, the, the is makeup feminist arguments because both sides can can say that it is or it's not. I mean, it's just such like a personal thing. If you want to wear lipstick, freaking wear lipstick. If you don't, don't.
4: Yeah, I mean, and I do like how the most popular makeup videos, the ones that tend to go viral, aren't how to, you know, buff your pimples. <laughs> which I'm, I'm going to make at some point. Um, but the ones that use makeup for more satirical or even more like serious purposes are, um, One that went viral not too long ago was by Nikki Tutorials and it's called The Power of Makeup. And, um, it essentially champions makeup as this ultimate tool of self-expression and a confidence booster. And she essentially paints on. Half her face and then leaves the other bare. And as she's doing it, she just talks about how she's perceived so much differently when she's wearing makeup than when she's not. And like people don't believe her when they see photos of her without makeup on because she wears such like strong and beautifully contoured looks that, yeah, I mean, she really does look like a completely different person.
0: But also, I'd like to say with her video so you mentioned like makeup taking so much time. I wear very basic makeup. I wear concealer, blush, eyeliner and mascara and lip gloss. And it takes me what feels like seven years in the morning to do that. Um, She she puts on this this. Granted, it's a half a face. It's not a full face, but she puts on that half a face of makeup in like the time it takes me to sneeze. I could not believe it. I was so impressed. And it looks amazing and and yeah, I mean if she feels like it's empowering, then then absolutely more
4: power to you. Like I feel better with my under eyes covered up too. Well, oh gosh, and that whole power of makeup thing also gets us into a conversation. We don't have time for today where it's like, "Oh, but is it just deceitful? Are you just lying about who you are to entrap uh, men?" <laughs>
0: Yeah, we can't get into that today because
4: it'll just be me making that groaning noise for (laughs) an hour and a half. But one video, one parody video I do really appreciate uh, that I saw when it first (laughs) came out was um, Tadell Smith's feminist makeup tutorial, which we should definitely link to in this podcast post because everyone should watch it uh, because she does a voiceover as she's putting on her makeup on <laughs> how the specific makeup will empower you to smash the patriarchy with your beauty. And she uses items such as uh, a setting foundation made from the ashes of Susan B. Anthony.
0: Oh, yeah, I loved it. And it was so great. But in the same vein, too, uh, Megan McKay uh, did a Ray Rice inspired makeup tutorial. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. It's nothing tacky or weird or scary. Um, But she literally, as she's putting on her makeup, is talking in the same way that Tadell Smith was like, I'm using, you know, the patriarchy, smash the patriarchy lip gloss or whatever. Uh, She's talking about the types of makeup she's using in a way that's bringing attention to domestic violence, especially when it was such a hot topic with the NFL.
4: Yeah, so it was like her, the concealer was like, this shade is NFL, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Being really clever with that. And, and all of those videos sparked a lot of, you know, important conversations. So, I mean, I do think that makeup is absolutely powerful. Um, but what is, what is the ultimate message? Because I do think about the time factor, um, especially when I was, <laughs> watching Bethany Moda's video on Makeup for Sick
0: Days. (gasps) I watched it, too. And and my boyfriend and I were both sitting there watching it, just shaking our heads. And he actually got up and he was like, this is ridiculous. And he walked away because what she does, newsflash, for a sick day, is like basically what I do for a good day. I mean, like, she even curls her hair. I don't even... I have the exact same hair curling wand thing that she does. And I was just like... No, on a sick day, you're not, it's greasy. You might get me to use some dry shampoo and like a little bit of under eye concealer and chapstick, but
4: good luck. And well, and that's what I've been thinking about since reading this is, cause Bethany Mota, especially when she was making that video, that was a few years ago, she's in high school. And I was thinking, would these videos have been a lifesaver to me in high school? Or would it have just made every morning even more nightmarish having to go <laughs> put my face out in the world because I would feel so much pressure to be even curling my hair when I was sick. And I raised this question to a girlfriend of mine and she was like, oh, my gosh, makeup and like how I look. That was like all I thought about in high school. Oh, yeah. I would get up
0: so early to do my hair every day, basically every day. And like I'm talking full uh, round brush hair dryer, like, flipping the ends out. And then
4: a wig on top of that, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then a wig on top of that. And then a jaunty hat. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah. But, and you know, I'd be putting my makeup on too. Like, I, I can't believe I was getting up so early to do all that stuff.
4: But it makes sense. So, like, that, all these girls are just now filming themselves and making some money up, up, on the side. Yeah. Doing it. Um, you look concerned, Caroline. Well, because I don't know what it would have done to me either.
0: But then again, you know, as like a high schooler, I was still reading Glamour magazine. It doesn't mean that every day I went out and put on like super fancy designer clothes and and everything. You know, I still got all my JCPenney T-shirts. Like, you know, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't feeling super pressured to look a certain way necessarily. And I wonder if.
4: If this is the same thing or if this is the same thing taken up several notches, yeah. I don't know. I mean, and maybe the pro side of it being taken up several notches is the accessibility of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, anyone can look fancy if they want to and using drugstore makeup. But I guess it's my concern is the line between play around with beauty and makeup and self-expression. You do you, girl and, and woman and, and guy, whoever. Just y- y'all do y'all. That and confidence equals cosmetics. Without all these things, you couldn't possibly leave the house, even if you're sick. So that's just what I wonder. And I, I mean, I'm, and I'm curious to hear from listeners about it. Yeah. I think with or
0: without the videos, a lot, plenty of people are, are going to equate confidence and cosmetics. Um, and I think maybe, There will be some people who look at these videos and feel like, oh, God, I have to do that, like to look like a normal person. And then there's going to be plenty of people like me who are just like, how do I even with the eyeliner help?
4: I just need help. Again, one of your Google searches. Yeah. Help. (laughs) Well, listeners, we are curious to hear from you about this. Are there any beauty gurus that you especially love? Do you feel like this does put more pressure on us to look certain ways? Do you think that YouTube and online beauty is redefining our definition of beauty? Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is where you can send us all of your thoughts. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now.
0: Okay, uh, we have a couple letters here about our Women in VFX episode. This one's from Kara. She says, I've been listening to the show since it began, and I love it. I've gotten a bit behind in episodes though because I am attending a VFX school and when I saw the subject of the VFX episode, I just had to skip forward. I read to you back when you did the women in animation episode and told you about applying to animation schools and finding out that they were 85% male. Well, I ended up attending an animation and visual effects school. When girls first started attending school here, they needed to have sexual harassment workshops because the girl felt so uncomfortable in the studio that she thought about leaving. Since that time, the student body has become much more balanced out, and it's happened fairly quickly in the past few years. The first thing our new teacher said to my class was, wow, there are a lot of girls in here. Hopefully my school is representative of change in the industry. I'm very scared about what's going to happen once I leave school. Teachers tell us on a monthly basis to be careful dating because the industry could jeopardize any relationships. Another teacher decided to homeschool his kid because he said that VFX artists live a nomadic life. I planned on getting married and having kids, but I'm starting to rethink and decide which is more important to me, my job or my potential family. It's a major issue in the industry and something that my female classmates and I discuss often. Thank you for the great podcast and for bringing to light some of the work that VFX artists do. Well, thank you, Kara.
4: And I've got a letter here from Laura Lorelai, not Gilmore, who writes, To be honest, I'd never listened to you before, but my sister forwarded me the link to your VFX episode saying, Here's an episode from this podcast that describes your job. I'm a lead senior editor at Industrial Light and Magic, a direct descendant of the optical women you start your episode with. Sadly, I never got to know the women you mentioned, but I used to spend a lot of time in optical back when I used to shoot film. I've been with ILM for almost 20 years now and have seen this industry go through quite a lot. I'm also a new mom, and when I returned from maternity leave, they flung me into the height of production on Jurassic World. Yeah, the heels and the actress bothered me, too. Believe me. That's when I began to second-guess my career. On the one hand, I can't handle the crazy hours anymore. But on the other hand, I'm hoping that one day my son will think I have a really cool job because deep down I still love my job. I'm grateful that Lucasfilm provides benefits and daycare and an on-site daycare. I'm one of the lucky ones. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you. It was so fascinating to hear my world through your eyes. You were spot on. I'm super impressed with your research. Oh, that's like the best compliment we can receive. So thanks so much, Lorelei and everyone who's written into us. Momstuff at HowstuffWorks.com is where you can send your letters and for links to all of our social media as well as all our blogs, videos, and podcasts, including this one with links to our sources, so you can learn more about beauty gurus. Head on over to Stuff Mom Never Told You. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
2: This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who
3: believes some things in life should be boring, like banking.
2: and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide.
3: Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com/adoption-drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.
1: Top thrill 2 is like no other course, 2 420 foot vertical speedways 3 launches. All right, let's talk strategy.